Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. All right, well, this morning we have the privilege uh, to hear from John Leitzel. John is a dear friend. If you've never met John, he's the guy up here that's usually jumping around and clapping really loud and singing loudly. But in all seriousness, John is a dear friend. He's, he's an elder at the Cross Point Church. And he's been, he actually planted Cross Point Church, was the pastor there for a number of years, then went to him and Karen and their children went to Africa for two years, then came back. So now they're back. They've been back for a couple of years now. But uh, John's going to share with us this continuation in our series on talking about Koinonia, the fellowship of the believers and what God's doing, not only in our church, but now we're looking outside and saying, how does God's perspective or the kingdom perspective affect the way that we love and care for other people. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for the privilege it is to hear your word. And so, God, we turn to you and worship, God, that we would receive your word with thanksgiving. God, we'd receive your word with an eagerness and a faith, God, that trusts in what you say. And, Lord, we pray this morning that we would fix our eyes upon you. And, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to open our ears, open our hearts to receive from you. In your name we pray. Amen. It's great to be back. Uh, As John said, for the last couple weeks, we've been looking at some of the principles that shape how we do things at Mercy Hill and really in the rest of the LifeLink Chicago churches. And John talked about this idea of koinonia. I'm going to unpack it some more and focus it outward as well. We're going to look primarily at two specific Bible verses today from Philippians, some of our, which are familiar because we've been looking at them the last couple of weeks. But let's start with a bit of review. I know there's some folks who are here who haven't been with us for the last couple weeks, others who may have been here for one and not the other. But two weeks ago, I shared about how God's kingdom functions with a different set of values than are commonly used or held precious in the world and its system. And we looked at the importance of valuing other people and being more concerned about the interests of others than we are about promoting ourselves and our own interests. We looked in Philippians chapter 2, we read through verses 19 through 30, and we looked particularly at two people, one named Timothy, the other Epaphroditus, that Paul was presenting as examples of living out heaven's values. And in talking about just some practical announcements of, hey, these guys are coming to your church next, he actually gave us some profound insight into what heaven cares about and how Jesus' kingdom functions. Because these two guys were committed to seeing the interests of Christ being expressed by caring about the welfare of others. And this is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. He said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. And about Timothy, Paul continued, he said, I have no one like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone else is concerned about their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And those of you who were here a couple weeks ago will remember I depicted two different economic systems, two value systems. The one over here we said was, this is the way things so often happen and operate in our society, where people are concerned for our own interests. 
And we put in contrast to that the way Jesus wants things to work. In Jesus' kingdom, the value is not that I care about my own interests, my own self-advancement, my own self-promotion, my own self-protection, but instead, genuinely caring about how are you doing? How's it going in your family? How's Archer doing now with Crosby? And, and working to do what benefits others, not just what benefits me. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about how, two weeks ago, we talked about how this economy is very quantitative. It's numbers oriented. It's looking at results. What's the return on investment if I do this? What were your numbers last quarter? How many people are coming? Many of us operate in this economy all week long. And it's an economy where I try to take credit for a lot of things myself. And if something goes wrong, I want to put the blame off on somebody else. We said it was an economy of the fall, started right when Adam and Eve needed to start blame shifting and sending things around. And so it focuses on numbers, quotas, productivity, production levels. But that's not the priority in Jesus's kingdom. Instead, Jesus is looking more at fruit than at results. And over here, it's much more qualitative. It can be hard to put your finger on well, what really came out of it when, like Luke was saying, Mercy Hill is risking and sacrificing and giving to people that society neglects. And many times there isn't a lot to show for that. International students, they go back home. They don't fill the pews or fill the offering basket here. Why are we wasting our time and our money and our energy on people who don't put something in here? It's because that's heaven's values. It's a different economy than the way the world values and works on things. And the word that the Bible was using, you said that distinguishes these two economies, is that heaven's economy has koinonia as its currency. Koinonia being this word John mentioned, that to, we use it to say fellowship, yes, but it's also translated in your English Bible as partnership. It's a way of saying we're in this together where my perspective on relationships, on the world, and on other people isn't just individualistic. It's not based on what can I get and what's best for me. It's drawing a broader circle that says us. Okay, are we together? All right, now let's catch up to last week. Well, last week, John was helping unpack how Mercy Hill Church functions in this kind of koinonia-based economy in how we do life together and how this church operates. And John unpacked that relationships in this economy, relationships are more important than results. And there were practical implications for outworking these principles in how we do church together. And one of those was that caring for people matters more than your gifting. When Paul was talking about Timothy in the verses that we just looked at, he said, I've got no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare because everyone else is looking after their own interests, not after the interests of who? Of Christ. And so Paul equates looking after, caring for the welfare of others with what Jesus really wants, what Jesus is interested in. And so it's not the level of your gifting that's most important at Mercy Hill. It's how much you care for people, caring for others, not our own gifting. Secondly, Johnny unpacked that here at Mercy Hill, people are not just tools for accomplishing our vision. 
people are not just chess pieces that we move around to accomplish our goals for the church or to enlarge or increase the size of the church or ministry here. We value people over performance. And he unpacked that we resist the professionalization of ministry. Do you remember that phrase from last week? We resist it. We resist professionalizing the ministry, even though professionals might be able to do some things better. But he talked about how Michelle has trained Adeline to do the laundry. At our house, Elizabeth does a lot of the cooking. You know, it's valuable to give people an opportunity to grow and to learn and to do things. Well, you know what? There's something even healthier about that here. This morning when Tim and Heather were leading us in worship, it's rich to see that happening when we're praying together for Crosby and there's different people coming up and contributing and praying. Say, while I was praying for you, that's koinonia. That is a togetherness in the gospel in how we're living our lives together. It means that Mercy Hill is volunteer intensive. It means that our ministry doesn't depend on the staff office, but on every member playing their part. We really say every member is a minister, not just as a slogan, but as an intentional strategy, not not for enlarging the church, but for your own maturity. Hello? Volunteer intensive ministry is a strategy for your maturity, not for enlarging the church. And finally, John pointed out that it does make us less structural and formal in how the ministry operates here. There's a lot more fluidity, flexibility in how things are done because relational connection is the priority rather than organizational charts for how it works. Now that we're caught up, this morning, I'd like to build on what we've seen in these last two weeks. We've looked at the way these economies function We've looked at heaven's priorities being worked out here in the local church. And as John said, the rest of the time together this morning, let's look outward. Let's apply these things to our mission, not just to our relationships with each other. Uh, How do we engage with our society in a way that's based on heaven's economy instead of just engaging with society on society's terms itself? Listen, having values as a church, it's all very well and good. But what really ends up counting is not whether we have them on a piece of paper, whether we say it's what we believe, but it's whether we're really living them out. Part of what makes Mercy Hill special, and for many of you who've been coming here recently, you've been able to say, there is something special about this church. and I can't quite put my finger on it. What's special is a critical mass of people who are living in this economy instead of in this economy. And it's in actually living out what Jesus cares about that we transform the world. It matters that we consider others' welfare as more important than our own interests. But where do we do that? We need to be putting it into practice everywhere, not just within Mercy Hill. I drew this little red circle. If it's small print for those in the back, it just says church. Church is a small part of everywhere, isn't it? Hello? And part of why we're showing this is to help recognize what Jesus cares about is for every part of our lives. It's for everywhere. It's for all week long. It's for every sector and area of society. It's not just the part we do when we're in church together, 
but well, when we're out in world and in business, we've got to do everything the way the world works. No, we bring Jesus's values to work on Monday morning. Hello? All right. Now, as we do that, the reason we care about it is that Jesus does. The gospel in our hearts turns us outward towards other people. It must. Because when Jesus came, he left heaven. He came to earth, (laughs) taking Luke's analogy. When it comes to leaving our safety zone for people who are marginalized, that's what Jesus did. He left heaven, came to earth, lived, walked, and moved in a corrupt society among sinners and gave his own life for you and I to take our place, to pay the price for our sins, to become our righteousness so that we can be forgiven, adopted into his family, belong to him, and yes, live for him with security in our lives here, knowing that there's no risk or threat that can really threaten us because heaven is our inheritance and we have his presence and peace with us. And so the way we do this, next slide, if we could, takes us to this this other verse in Philippians that I want to draw our attention to. So we've looked already in Philippians chapter two over these last couple weeks, this foundational principle of living with a concern for other people's welfare rather than our own advancement or self-promotion. And Paul continues it in Philippians four, verse eight, where he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. But he doesn't stop there. This is not a thought exercise alone. Next slide. Next verse says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or even just seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The promise, the solution to living in a troubled world is to have the God of peace with us. Emmanuel, our blessed Messiah, Savior, God with us. Where? Here in the world that so desperately needs him. And God's promise of his presence being with us is linked to us putting into practice the very things that the Apostle Paul was embodying, putting into practice the way Paul lived and behaved and taught. That means in practice for you and me, it means that we need to become people who can look into the world and to see what things are true and noble and right and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, amen? It means that you and I are not called to react to what is false or bad by shrinking our world smaller and smaller in self-protective thinking, in hopes of keeping out of our family everything that might be bad or threatening. Instead, it means that in faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, we move outward into that world, practicing the very kind of Jesus-centered, trusting obedience that the Apostle Paul himself lived in, knowing that the God of peace will be with us as we move into this world to heal it, 
to touch it, to bring Christ's love and goodness and blessing into the world. God's called us to be people who can recognize his fingerprints in the many areas of society and then live with a big vision of God's purpose and power in our problem-filled world. It means we don't find God's peace by hunkering down defensively, building a family bunker and trying to keep the world out. But ironically, we find the God of peace with us when we take the risk of engaging people who are different than us, people who believe differently, live differently, eat differently, speak differently. Are you seeing the point? Because the Apostle Paul said, look, the God of peace will be with you as you put into practice everything you've seen and learned and heard from me, who left his own culture, who left his own country and went in a place where he's not welcome to bring the love and message of Jesus Christ into people's lives. Brothers and sisters, it says we move outward in gospel obedience, putting into practice our faith, which says, what's our faith say? Our faith says God's in control, that Jesus is on his throne, and he's made you and I his ambassadors of peace and life to a hurting world, amen? Now, as we do that, it means that one of the principles for us of living in this economy is we're not afraid to reach out to others and serve them in the name of Jesus. In this economy, you're a threat to me because if I give something away, I may not have it again anymore. I may lose something. But living in this economy, I've got nothing to lose because my life's not my own. Christ is my life. I can afford to serve you with everything that I have. And so this graphic is cheesy. I admit it. I know that. But I don't mind that because I hope it'll help you remember this idea. Right? Because we're not called just to camp out here, living in just the goodness of caring for one another only. Instead, this message of Philippians 2 verses 20 and 21, does anyone remember what that says? I have no one else like him who takes a genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone's concerned about their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. This transformational perspective that says I'm going to live in an economy that's looking out for the welfare of others, not just myself. It starts moving us outward. And as Paul continues to say, hey, whatever good things you can see and find, focus on those and put into practice everything you've seen me live and teach and do for Jesus. That moves us out into the world to bring this kingdom economy that shows that God loves people and he makes us able to care and serve for them. Are we together? Now, there's a couple of practical aspects to how we work that out together. Next slide. Firstly, Jesus is at the center of it all. Has to be. It's all from him, through him, for him, and about him. It's his love that compels us to care for others. And it's his love that empowers us to actually live As servants, Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we engage with society with an identity as servants. You're going to see some of the contrasts to that as we continue. It means that we engage with society primarily for the benefit of others, not for self-protection 
or self-promotion. It means that, for example, doing Share the Rock is not a church marketing tool. It's not just a way to get Mercy Hill's name out in the community. It's not something we're doing as an advertising strategy. Instead, saying, hey, we have connections, we have resources, we have the capability to actually bless and equip some kids in a skill that they enjoy doing here in society, and we're going to team up with other people to do it, even if we don't get our own name in the newspaper for doing it. We engage primarily for other people's benefit, not for self-promotion or self-protection. We engage with society looking for where the needs are and asking what can we bring to help serve and help those needs. And then the other aspect is we do this primarily through partnerships rather than doing it independently. And it means we're willing to serve into things that we don't own and control. Again, that's a contrast. It's an app- in this economy, if I don't own it and control it, everything I put into it is at risk. But in this economy, it's all for Jesus anyway. It's all from him, it's for him, it's through him. And so I can serve as a church. We serve and partner with groups in the community, locally and internationally, that we're not in control of. And we're okay with that because we believe Jesus is still in control. Amen? You know, it means that in our partnerships, it's okay with us that we work with some people who aren't quite like us. It's okay with us that we're partnering with people who don't necessarily believe exactly what we believe about everything. Consistent with Philippians 4.8, we're looking for sufficient overlap, finding the areas where we can cooperate together for what is true, what is right, what is good, what is lovely, even if we don't see completely eye to eye about everything. We're willing to partner with people who are different than us because Jesus is big enough for that. Amen? Now, There is a contrast, again, between these kingdoms and how that works. Because in this kingdom, authority is exercised from above. Control is exerted. Jesus said it this way. He said, uh, the rulers of this world lord it over those that they have authority over. But then Jesus, talking to us about how to live in his kingdom, said, not so with you. Instead, if you want to be great in this kingdom, you've got to become the servant of all. And so as we engage and involve, it does mean we're pretty open-handed in how we involve in our society. We're not grabbing hold of things to control them, to tell people how to do everything. We get underneath and we push up. We come in and we serve with open hands. And it means that many times we're not the ones who are calling the shots about how everything gets done. It shapes how we engage this kingdom philosophy, this koinonia economy. It shapes how we engage with the world. It means we're reaching outward from a servant posture. Amen? Uh, I'm emphasizing that because it gets a little threatening when you're putting your own time and your resource at risk by doing that. There is something in us that loves to have control, but there's something about our faith in Jesus Christ that calls us to release that control make it a worship offering to Jesus and let him do with it what he will. This is very much true in our international partnerships. 
Uh, Mercy Hill is connected not only to the LifeLink churches here in the Chicago area, but to hundreds and hundreds of churches around the world. In South and Central America, in parts of Africa, in India, in Far East, in Asia, as well as, of course, a couple in Europe as well. And we're engaging with believers in a way that combines these principles. We're coming in to serve in partnership in the name of Jesus. These three aspects all work together in our international partnerships. It means we're coming alongside to help instead of trying to control from above. It means that instead of insisting on exclusivity in our relationships and partnerships, sometimes we're one voice among others, one relationship among others that churches and leaders may have in these countries. But it also means that we are committed to building the kind of partnerships that bring other people together with each other, where we're not always the ones at the center, and especially that the way we engage around the world has got to bring people together in the places we're working. I emphasize that because Christian missionary work over the last couple centuries has a bit of a checkered history. Unfortunately, in some places, the work of Western Christian organizations has created and caused division among the believers on the ground in the different nations where folks have worked because there's competition for resource, competition for people, competition for territory. It's not a lot different than what happens here in the U.S. either. And we're committed as a church and as a family of churches to build bridges, not walls to be ensuring that the way that we involve internationally with churches and with our community locally is helping bring people together rather than splitting people apart. Um, This photo, it's funny how your complexion matters and how much lighting you get, whether you can actually see people's faces in the photo. Uh, There's one white guy in the back row whose face is a little more visible. Uh, But these are some of the leaders that came together when I was in Zimbabwe uh, about a month ago, where from representing about eight different church networks in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, and now one from Malawi as well, who work together with each other in part because they've chosen to identify together with this family of churches that we're part of. And we were introducing a new training module for them to use in their churches and in the pastor's colleges that we serve alongside there as well. And, and so for three days... We we had a training the trainers event where it takes the focus off of myself or us because our goal is not to create a forum where we can go in and showcase our own ministry, showcase our own gifts, do all the work ourselves. We're thrilled by the progress we've had since three years ago when Brian and John came with me to Zimbabwe. We have been over these years training trainers training leaders from the African church to be the ones who are doing the teaching, doing the training, empowering others rather than holding on to those roles ourselves. It's what happens here within the church in Mercy Hill, but it's also that's how we engage when we go outward, that instead of trying to have ourselves being the ones who get the credit and promote, we come in and we raise up others so that they can do it themselves. Um, you may recognize, whoops, back one slide. You may recognize some of the faces because some of these guys have been right here, even right here where I'm standing, Silent Guashavanu. How many remember Silent from Zimbabwe? 
was hosting us, 100 leaders from Zambia, Zimbabwe, Malawi, um, Mozambique, South Africa, together at his church building in Harare during the week. And so these brothers are doing a tremendous job of living out themselves the kinds of principles that we talk about here at Mercy Hill. Uh, The next slide, uh, you'll notice you can't read most of that. Uh, I love this. How many remember Francis Pitigu from India, from Goa in North Karnataka? Uh, Francis sent me this just yesterday. Uh, and he has a great sense of humor, Francis does. Uh, I'm showing it to you because it's an example of, of an ongoing translation project that our partners in that part of India are doing to take some of the training modules that we've produced and shared with them and be able to put them in the hands of rural pastors who aren't English speaking and to be able to expand and share the training. We've given them full freedom and the financial support to help that translation work. And when I said Francis has a great sense of humor, he sent these to me to ask if I could check them for any mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) And of course he's teasing me because I can't do that at all. But it's an illustration of how in the partnerships that we have, our goal is empowering others, not controlling or holding on to things ourselves whether it's Africa or India, the believers, the partners we're working with are moving farther and faster with things we've been able to put in their hands than you and I are able to keep track of. And we're good with that. That's the goal. Amen? All right. And, and so this is a commitment. Part of the outworking of this value system says we're committed to empowering people, not only in how we minister inside the church, but in how we engage with society. Uh, a couple of ways that this gets worked out in practice here at Mercy Hill, happens in our local community, not just around the world. I mentioned Share the Rock a minute ago. Luke gave, I was so appreciative how Luke was explaining the international student ministry here. It's not just an event. It's not just something for us to sign up for. It is an expression of things Jesus cares about, that we would give our time, our energy, open our homes, structure many of the organized activities of the church in a way that's inclusive towards people who aren't from here and who aren't like us and would naturally fit in. And the International Student Ministry here at Mercy Hill, it's a partnership. It's not something that we're doing independently. We're doing it at the invitation of others from the campus at Purdue Cal. We're not just forcing our own way, but instead we're taking what we have, our homes, our time, our relationship, and just making them available to serve our community. As we look forward, there are opportunities this summer to keep living like this. As Luke mentioned, there's going to be Korean students here for a short-term summer program. We've got a great chance to include some into 4th of July celebrations, to have lunches, to keep opening our homes. And in the fall, it'll continue. And so plan for this. Much of the ministry of this church is not what happens when we're together. It's how we together are helping others who are outside of this church. Are you seeing that? That's why this church is here. It's not for ourselves. It's for the world. And so uh, in the fall, we've got some plans that are in partnership with the Welcome Network with Tony. Tony, wait, raise your hand here. Uh, The Welcome Network with immigrants and refugees that'll include starting English classes here at Mercy Hill. You don't have to be a trained English teacher or to be able to speak English as a conversation partner with someone who's come into our area and is struggling with their English. Now, obviously, some of those are immigrants, Others are people who just haven't had the same education 
that some of us have benefited from and are preparing for job interviews and need some help with their English. In addition, uh, we've got opportunities to form welcome teams, folks from here at Mercy Hill who are willing to help incoming immigrants, many of whom are refugees, who are moving into this area and need help just getting oriented to how different life is here in the States. Things that you and I take for granted uh, or have learned to manage to work our way through, like how do you get a driver's license here in Northwest Indiana? Are life helping uh, things that you and I know that people who move into the area don't know how to start even beginning to do. And so sometime around the end of this year, the beginning of next year, there's an opportunity to get involved with those sorts of things. It's important that we recognize that these are expressions of heaven's values. It's even more important as you realize there is so much political rhetoric flying around right now in our country that would lead us to living in much more of this kind of self-protective, self-guarding economy that would say, keep the immigrants out. They're all so dangerous. But Jesus says to open your arms wide to the alien and the stranger who's among you, to care for the least of these. These are gospel values. And it matters that Mercy Hill Church, that right here, we are prophetic in our community by living by heaven's values and not letting fear cause us to shrink in, but instead be people of faith who will embrace those who are moving into this area, who may not have anything to give us, but we have something to share with them. It's the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the simple things, Lord, of life and breath and health and homes. But Lord, we realize these aren't just things you've given us. These are all things that still belong to you. And Jesus, when we say that we belong to you, Lord, we are saying that everything we have, everything you've given us is still available to you for whatever you want to do with it. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us to be men and women of faith who look outward and see your hand, see your fingerprints in our world, see your love for the people who are around us, especially those who are different than we are. Lord, help us to live with security in you, with compassion for others, and a boldness in cooperating with others to share your life and your gospel. In your precious name, Jesus, amen.